Hello and welcome everyone to the Southcliff Podcast. We're glad you've joined us. Now here's our surf pastor, Dr. Elliot Higgins, with this week's sermon. Today we continue and we rather wrap up a series that we began earlier this summer. It's called One Another. And one of the things that we have discovered in our One Another passage study through the summertime is that throughout the pages of Scripture, God has really focused our attention on each other, that you have a pivotal piece in the puzzle. You are not the be-all and end-all. That is God, but yet he has gifted you in unique ways that somebody else does not have your gifting, and, and they are gifted in ways that you do not have. Life is a hard place to be. There's full of challenges and struggles, but yet as a body of Christ, what the, the Bible calls a body of Christ, the people of God, when we do this one another, we are able to see God do incredible things through our life in the lives of those that are around us. So today, I picked this passage to be the finale of our time. I have been looking forward to this honestly, from the very beginning of our series that we kicked off some weeks ago. And the reason why I look forward to this is God gives us a peek into the future. He shows us something that's coming that fills my heart with hope and joy and confidence. And so it is my desire, and I know that the Lord speaks through his word in every passage all through the Bible, but I believe God brought us together to conclude this series with this futuristic look and hope, and we see that God says this one another, encourage one another in this passage, this future hope. Now, here's what I do know before we read this text. I have grown up in Texas, and so many of you have done the same. Some of you have moved here. Some of you have not been here long. It doesn't matter, but what does matter, if you've been in Texas, usually in the latter part of the spring, you're going to understand what I'm talking about. It it, happens every year. And usually late April and into May, the weather pattern is just right to where we get these things called thunderstorms. But this isn't usually just thunder and lightning. Usually at least one time, if not multiple times during that period of our weather, the, the weather person will say, today, severe storms are coming, usually later in the afternoon and into the evening hours. That's when everything is set and right for this. And then what they say, the favorite three things, this storm is building, it's going to bring high wind, it's going to bring possible tornadoes, and it's going to bring large hail. And so those things, we in Texas, we get that. That's coming, it's on its way. And every year they'll say that. High wind, possible tornadoes, possible large hail. Well, what that does for us is it allows us to see something that's coming in the future and then look at our day. Now, what are the things that I need to do outside? I'm not gonna be mowing my grass when we're getting hit with hail. I'm not going to be outside in the middle of a tornado, so I restructure my day because I know what's coming. 
And so the same thing is happening here in this passage. God is showing us something that is on its way. It is barreling down the future to our present. It is coming to be sure. And God gives us this picture, people of God, in order to allow us to really refocus, for us to kind of see what we're doing in the present. This is coming, so how do I navigate that right now? So in this passage, what you're gonna see is that future perspective of God, what he is doing and what is happening, but then he shifts this concept into our present. How is it that we take this knowledge and we engage it in our present day? It is one thing to know that God is doing this, that, that this is going to happen, but how do I use this to face the challenges in my workplace? The broken family that I am in, the financial struggle that I have, the boss that is absolutely oppressive and domineering. How do I engage that? And so this passage gives us a picture of what God is doing and what is about to happen, but he gives us a strength for our present. He doesn't just deal out in the future. He gives us a strength, but then he turns our attention to one another that encourage one another. Each one of these elements are encouraging. We see the future, we have a strength in the present, and then we turn and we work together, and it gives us a strength. That, I believe, is why God brought you here this morning. And let's look at this particular passage in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, it's in the New Testament. We're going to begin reading in verse 1. Now, what we're going to see, as mentioned in this, Paul is writing to the believers in Thessalonica. The believers here are facing incredible persecution and hardship. But if you read the entirety of this book, this letter, Paul is encouraging them. They have been doing really well in the midst of their struggle, in their pain, in their suffering. And so Paul is giving this as a form of encouragement. Remember that future hope, what God is doing in the future and it's coming our way, and then he gives them a strength in the present and then shifts their focus to one another as we encourage and we continue to look at these key ideas in our life. And by doing so, he is not only encouraging them, but he's encouraging us. And it is likely that you are here today with a lot of weight on your shoulders, struggles all over your life. And you're looking around at all of the challenges and you're saying, I don't know how this is ever going to change. I don't know how to overcome this. This is just how it will always be. You may look over your shoulder and be full of guilt in shame and remorse and say, I don't think that God could use me. In fact, it's an isolating tool that the enemy uses. This passage is going to change that entire thing. And Paul is writing to encourage believers. So let's read this text and allow the Lord to speak through us, through this to us. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 1. Now concerning the times and the seasons, brothers, you have no need to have anything written to you. For you yourselves are fully aware that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. While people are saying there is peace and security, then sudden destruction will come upon them as labor pains come upon a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. Verse 4. But you are not in darkness, brothers, for that day to surprise you like a thief. For you are all children of the light, children of the day. We are not of the night or of darkness. So then, let us not sleep as others do, but let us keep awake and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk are drunk at night. Verse 8. 
But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, having put on the breastplate of faith and love and for a helmet, the hope of salvation. For God has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we might live with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. So there's our text that the Lord gives us today. Look with me back to verse one. He writes this, now concerning the times and the seasons, brothers, you have no need to have anything written to you. I'm gonna pause here. There's not exactly really heavy theology that's taking place here, but there are some key things that allow us to see what is coming. The first, he is using this term brothers concerning the times and the seasons brothers. This gives us an indication of who Paul is writing to. Believers, brothers and sisters in Christ, these are people who have put their faith in Jesus. Predominantly the ones that I am speaking to today, most everybody, not all, but most everybody here and online have put their faith in Jesus. There are some who have not, but he is writing this to believers. So this is a perspective that we as those that are in Christ will and should have. He says, concerning the times in the seasons. So what this is referring to is the returning of our Lord. God himself is coming back. You notice he says this, I don't have to write anything to you, so why does he do it? He's just saying that the Lord comes back, you know that he's coming back, you are a believer in him, there is no need for me to write to you about these things, but yet he does it anyway. Well, he is doing this as a form of encouragement. You already know as a believer that God is coming back. But I am going to remind you of that truth because it gives us a strength and a hope. It allows us to know what's coming in the future. Just like that thunderstorm that I mentioned earlier changes my perspective of my day, this truth is designed to encourage us in our perspective of our day, of our present, because we know this is coming. The times in the seasons, that coming of God. Now here's what's important for us to know. When God comes back, all of the things of this world is going to change. There will be no governments. God will be the governor. He will be the king of king and lord of lords. There is no competition. All of the evil, all of the conflict, all of the challenges are going to go away. If there's any conflict or challenge, it goes directly to God. It has nothing to do with you. He is going to put everything in its place, and he is going to be bring righteousness and justice here with strength. So the times and the seasons, God is going to come back. You don't need to be written to. You already know that this is a truth. He says in verse two, for you yourselves are fully aware that the day of the Lord, now that's that returning moment of Christ, will come like a thief in the night. The day of the Lord. 
So again, this is giving us that image that God is coming back. This is the day in which that happens. Now it is not as though God has left our presence, that he has spun earth out to do its own destiny. God is very much at work, even here in this room and online, through his Holy Spirit. He is at work, he is working with power and strength and continues to do so. The difference with the day of the Lord, however, is not that we have been spun off to our own destiny, Rather, God is bringing everything back in line with him. And so we see that now he sets foot on earth and everything changes. And then he gives us this picture. Again, he says, I don't have to remind you of this. You're fully aware that this day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. Now, it's not that the Lord is some kind of a thief and he is hiding in the bushes lurking to jump out when you least expect it, but it does give us a picture. It heightens our awareness of how this is going to happen. A thief, by definition, his purpose is to not get caught. I want to get to the goods, but without anybody seeing this happen or knowing that I'm coming. It helps this process. So what God is saying here in this passage is that he is coming surprise there is no way that you fully understand when that is and then he says not only a thief but in the night it's not a literal night it could be that he comes at night or it could be he comes in day but rather this nighttime is under the cover of darkness a thief functions best when you look and you, all you see is shadows rather than a person. When you see and all you see is some bushes rather than the person behind the bushes. That in daytime, in broad daylight, you would pick them out. You would know that they're there. God is saying here that he is in fact coming back. His day is coming and it is going to be a surprise. So here's why this helps us when we're looking at what God is doing in the future. What is coming our way? This is what gives us encouragement. We're looking around at the world around us and we're seeing the challenges that are in our life. And we wonder how in the world is God going to work through this? How do I navigate this? I am losing hope. I am losing strength. I feel like when I speak, I have a voice, but nobody listens. God is going to come as a surprise to people, meaning that the things that you are seeing around you are going to change, and it's going to change in a moment. Now, we can sit here and say this can be 100 years from now, could be longer, but it could also be in the next five minutes. We have no idea. What we do know and what Scripture is declaring to you today is that God himself is coming back. It gives us an encouragement because we know that God himself is going to change everything. Like that thunderstorm that's coming, we know that this changes our perspective. This future understanding changes how we perceive and how we live right now. It's an encouragement to these believers when they are in the midst of persecution. Maybe you are here today and you are in the midst of persecution and struggle and heartache and heartbreak and all of these things in your life and you wonder how in the world am I going to overcome this? Well, here's the first thing that we see. God is coming back and he is going to set these things right. We know that the things that we think go on forever won't. He will return. Watch this. This thief in the night, verse 3. While people are saying there is peace and security, then sudden destruction will come upon them as labor pains come upon a pregnant woman and they will not escape. 
First part, people are saying there is peace and security. In other words, everybody around us is looking around at their life and saying this is the norm. This is the stuff that's always going to happen. When I go to the store, I have complete faith, right, wrong, or indifferent, but it's been effective for me ever since I was born, that when I go to the store, I can pull out of my wallet these little slips of paper called cash, and I can buy the groceries that I need. I can pull out a less sophisticated piece of paper called a check, and I can write that to cover a debt. I can be really sophisticated and pull out a credit card, a piece of plastic, and I can purchase what I need. I have faith and confidence when I go into the world around me that these are tools that are consistent across boundaries here. We know that this works. And in our life, there are consistencies that we say this is how it always is and how it always will be. There is challenges in our life where some in this room are facing huge struggles and burdens. And you're looking around saying, this has always been the case in my life. There is no hope. There is no way out of this. This is how it has always been. This is how it always will be. I don't see hope. I don't see encouragement. I don't see a way out. And yet, he's saying that everybody is saying peace and security. This is how it's always been. And he says sudden destruction is going to come on them. In other words, they're putting their peace and security in all of this and what they see around them as this is the consistency of our life. This is how it will always be. This is a perspective change for us as believers and why he's given us a glimpse of what's coming is it refocuses our attention. That means that whatever is in your life and whatever you brought here and God allowed you to come for this word in your life, whatever that is that you think will always be, that there is no way out that this is the only option that you have, that there is nothing, no hope in the future, that sudden destruction, God, when he arrives, all of that is turned upside down. We will not be doing the life that we think that we're doing right now. Everything that you think is normal is gonna be turned upside down. God himself will make corrections and make things happen. It gives us a picture of what is to come. It's an encouragement for you and I as believers to know what God is doing. People are saying peace and security, sudden destruction will come upon them. And what that means, it's kind of a negative. Like I use that thunderstorm as an illustration. That's a negative thing. When the hail starts coming and the tornadoes coming through your yard, that's very much a negative. But it heightens our awareness of what can be. And so he is saying this destruction is coming on those who are disobeying, being rebellious against God. Those who have not put their faith in Jesus. This means that those who oppress you, those who are standing opposed to you, he's writing those that are persecuting, God is going to work all of that out. That there is not someone or something that has been done that God will not work out. His way, however, is much better than your way. He sees it in the full picture, and God is going to deal with it. That means that when you look around your life and say, these people have oppressed me, they have been absolutely terrible to me, and it seems as though they don't get their punishment, that they are flourishing when I am wilting, that nothing ever happens to them. When I speak up and use my voice, it's as if nobody hears. This is where Paul is saying God will deal with that. 
You may not see it, but it gives us a confidence in the future that God will work that out, come upon them. Then he describes this as labor pains coming upon a pregnant woman and they will not escape. Now, there's a lot of ladies in this room that are looking at me saying, what do you know about labor pains? The good thing is, I'm not going to talk about those for your sake. What I do know, my wife, Sarah, we've got a little boy, he's almost three, and I have another son named Joshua who is coming in October. Here's what I know about labor pains, all right? What I know and what this is saying is not so much the agony as much as it is the certainty. When a woman goes into labor, when the baby is coming, that is not the moment that she has any option to say, wait a minute, I'm not ready. I'll come back in a few months. Or I'm not ready to be a mom, so let's postpone this for a couple of years. Or wait a minute, what's your exchange and refund policy? Those do not exist. And so Paul is saying here, he's saying it's it comes upon them like this process and they're not going to escape. There is no force on heaven, on earth, or in hell that is going to stop the Lord's return. His timing is perfect. His strength is perfect. And he is coming back, people of God, for you. He didn't spin earth off into its own destiny. His design was to work through you, to deliver you, and that is his purpose for coming back in the first place. And there is nothing that's going to stop him. If you want to know a form of encouragement, this is it. We know that what we see around us and say this is how it's always been and how it always will be, no. Absolutely not. It's coming. The Lord is coming, and he is coming with strength and precision. You can count on it. And there is no escape from that. The Lord is on his way, and who knows when that is. It's going to be sudden. can be 100 years. can also be in five minutes. It changes our perspective of our, our present reality. So he's given us this picture of the future. He's coming back. He's coming back with strength. It gives me an encouragement because I see the plan of God. Now, how do I take this knowledge and I engage the life around me and the challenge that I possess? So I'm looking at my workplace and I, am, I feel like I'm oppressed and there's hardship and my boss is, is arrogant and my family is coming apart and I'm trying to meet payments and bills and I'm working all kinds of hours and I don't know how this is going to work. How does this knowledge, how do I live out in power right now? It's a good thing that God's coming back, but he's not back yet. So what do we do? This is where Paul shifts, and he's showing us something that gives us strength right now in our present reality. And he says this in verse 4. He says, you are not in darkness, brothers, for that day to surprise you like a thief. For you are all children of the light, children of the day. We are not of the night or of the darkness. So he's saying, he's giving them an encouragement here in the moment. He's saying, you are not going to be surprised because you already know that God's coming. So this isn't something that comes as a surprise to you, but here's why. And these are the key words that give us strength here in the present. He says, we are all children of light, children of the day. We have been enlightened in the sense that we know that God, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, is coming back. 
We know that. He's going to set things right. But that word children is key for our strength in the present. He calls us children of the Lord, children of God, children of light. Two things that are key in understanding this and key in giving us strength. As a child of God, by definition, it is showing you and me our position with God. As a child, I am related, I am connected with God himself. If you run down the genealogy because of what Jesus has done, it makes me a royal. I am part of the royal family. I am connected to God himself. When we're looking at the challenges of our life and we're saying, how do I, I know he's coming back, but how do I engage with the challenges right now? The first thing that we're seeing is that we understand who we are. We are children of God, connected to him. The second thing about this children of God is we recognize what that role brings about. Oftentimes, my family and I will be walking. My little boy's almost three. We'll go out and go for a walk. And then there'll be some giant pit bull that the owner thinks is just a 100-pound puppy that doesn't have a leash. So that automatically triggers me to insert myself between my boy and whatever this is. I don't care if you're a friendly dog. I don't know what you are. God knows all of those details, but what it means for me as a father is I am inserting myself into the challenges of my son's life. If you are to engage me and tell me what you think about me and all the negative and you're yelling at me, I am probably going to engage you to a certain level, but I am also going to walk away at some point. However, if you are doing that to my three-year-old son, I am certainly going to insert myself between you and him. And that conversation is going to begin with me. It may be that he is the just reason for whatever has happened, but it is my responsibility as a father. Some of you have grown up without a father or without one that has amounted to much in your life and has been detrimental. But what I do want you to know is that as a child of God, he is not like that. God inserts himself into every detail of your life like a father would that is righteous. And he is interested in your well-being. He is interested in your protection and your provision. And he is going to insert himself in every detail. And oftentimes we as believers, and why this is an encouraging thing, is we tend to isolate ourselves from God when things don't go well. We pull back and say, well, this is going wrong. This isn't working. Nobody hears me. Nobody cares. And yet it's at that moment that God is as close as he's ever been. It's not as if he has disappeared from that situation, but he is interested in the details of your life. Perhaps you're here today and you're looking around at your life and all the struggles and challenges, and God brought you here to remind you of the fact that this encouraging thing, that you are a child of God, you belong to him, and he has taken a special interest in you. This is an encouraging truth for you and I as a believer, an encouraging truth as we face the challenges in our present life. So, we're children of the light, children of the day. We're not of the night or of darkness. Verse 6 let us not sleep as others do, but keep awake and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk are drunk at night. 
So he's telling us you're a child of God, this connection, this power, but he's also saying that I want you to keep awake and be sober. These are two truths that help us in our present reality. God is coming. He's going to set things right. He's going to organize everything according to his righteous plan. We know that's coming quickly. But as I'm engaging the challenges in my life, he's saying keep awake and be sober. So keeping awake, what that means is that I am alert. When you are asleep, you don't have a clue what's going on around you. But yet being awake is to be alert. We are looking around as believers. What is God doing around me? What's going on in our life that God is up to? Who is he moving with? What's happening? So we're looking for God. We're watching the doors that he opens. We're watching what he's got in store for us. So we are alert to that, but we're also sober. If you've ever been around a drunk person, they're not stable people. They fall down a lot. I know you didn't come to church to get that nugget of truth, but it is very much true. And so he's saying be sober. In other words, be steady. So in the midst of your struggle, we're, we're looking at this saying, God, I don't know how this is going to change. This has been going on all my life. It seems like it's never going to go away. I see like there is no hope that's going to come out of this. Just be steady, be obedient with God, be alert and looking for what he's doing, but consistently be steady. As we navigate those challenges in obedience, God shows up in due time. His timing is perfect. So we're alert to watching for God in our present. We are also steady in obeying him in those challenges because we know the future is certain. So, We see this, we're alert and we keep awake, be sober, verse eight. But we, since we belong to the day, let us be sober, watch this, having put on the the breastplate of faith and love and for the helmet, the hope of salvation. So he's giving us strength in this present. God is coming, we know that. His timing is perfect, it's going to be a surprise to many. We also know that it is certain, nobody can change that. We see now that we are alert and awake, we are consistently obeying God, even though we see seemingly a bleak outcome, God is at work in that. We are a child of his, but then he's giving us additional strength. He compares that to this armor. He says, first of all, this breastplate of faith in love. Kind of a picture of that Roman soldier of this era. This breastplate, this source of protection is that of faith and love. In other words, I am drawing strength right now in the thick of battle of my life. I am drawing strength because my faith is in God. The faith is the hands in which we lay claim to the promises of God. He is saying, I am coming, you belong to me, and I'm going to set things right. And so we in our present can cling to that truth as a source of encouragement, and we cling to it in faith and say, I have no idea how this is going to work out, but I do know this. My God has inserted himself into this. I am a child of him. He is coming back, and all of this is certain. So I hang on to that truth, and then he continues this helmet of hope of salvation. This second piece of armor. We have strength in our present by that faith, now of our salvation. This hope of salvation is not as if we go to Vegas 
and we hope that we win big and chances are we lose whatever we came with to begin with. It's not that kind of a hope. Rather, it is something that has yet to fully be realized. I know that my salvation is secure. Though I'm looking at the challenges here and I quite wonder how is that going to work? How is God going to work this out? God is the master of my salvation and he holds me in his hand. Therefore, I know that I am saved, that my salvation is certain, so I cling to that, but that gives me an understanding of strength right now, that God is the source of my salvation, and I will see that salvation come about soon enough. Whenever God's timing is perfect, that I will see it, but in the meantime, I cling to that as a armor, a peace that gives me strength in the present. God is coming and we have a strength in this encouragement in the present. He continues with this imagery, but he tells us, okay, we've got our our breastplate and our helmet, verse 9. He says, for God has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, so that whether we are awake or asleep, we might live with him. So he has not destined us for wrath. Another form of encouragement. We know the Lord's coming. Everything that we see is going to be turned upside down. The Lord is going to rule, and there will be no question about that. He's going to deliver us salvation, but in the hearts of many of us, we look at that, the Lord's coming back, and there's a level of fear and anxiety. If the Lord came back and looked at me, there's all this sin and guilt and remorse and shame, and there's that fear, and Paul is reminding us that went away when Christ was crucified when he died on that cross, that his blood covered all of that, all of your sin, every bit of it. So there is no fear of approaching the Lord, and this is a common tactic of our enemy. He will remind you, how can God use someone like you? God's not gonna deliver, you're at fault for this to begin with, it's all your problem anyway. He isolates and encourages you to try to remove yourself from the blessing of God, from his presence, but nothing could be further from the truth. And he's saying that you're not destined for his punishment when he comes back because of what Jesus has done for you, because you have put your faith in him. So we are not destined for that, but we have salvation through Jesus. And it says, for who died for us, so whether we are awake or asleep, we might live with him. This is a different word in that original language. The sleep is not the same as the one that we just read, as in be alert. This is dead. You are dead. Whether you have died in the faith or you are still alive, this working of God is going to be perfect, that he is bringing life. So even though we look back at lives of those and maybe you're looking at the fullness of your life and saying, I am never going to see justice in my lifetime. Nobody is ever going to get punished for what has been done for me. And here's what he's saying, that there is a life that God brings. Those that are dead, those that are alive, that he brings his people together. There is that hope and encouragement that God makes everything right. Everything will be right. There's a strength in that. So we see that God is coming, that that is certain. That gives us a hope and an encouragement. We see how we engage that in our present and why God brought you here today is to encourage you with the strength in our present. 
Verse 11 now, he changes our perspective to those that are around us. I don't have to tell you this. Just like Paul's writing, I don't have to tell you, brothers, these things. You already know. I don't have to tell you that life is hard. And when things are going along real smooth, that's usually the time that something else crashes into it. And there's a new challenge, a new struggle. There's a new heartache, a new hardship. This is a constant thing in our fallen world. Not to be Debbie Downer for you today, but what I do want to recommend is that we look at this, encourage one another. Because when I am down, somebody else is not. And when somebody is down, I am not. And we all over this room, online, and as a body of Christ all over the world, this is how we get through life together. God has given us gifts that we focus on each other. And this, people of God, is one of those things too. When, when we are in the depth of our despair, all we see, we don't see hope, we don't see any kind of outcoming. This is where we shift our attention. And oftentimes it is so helpful for us to look out at someone else. How can I work in their life and be an encouragement? How can I allow my life to be meaningful there? It's amazing how God uses that tool to lift us up. So he is shifting our attention now to going out and with each other. Verse 11, he says, therefore, so this is building on everything we just talked about. Because of these things, he's coming back. There's a strength that you stand strong in the present. Therefore, encourage one another. And build one another up just as you are doing. Encourage one another. That we are looking at this text and we are seeing that, that Paul is reminding them as a form of encouragement that the Lord is coming back. That the hardship you face is not eternal. That God is going to set eternity his way and his standard and he is going to bring justice and grace and mercy. And we have a strength in the present because we cling to that which is coming. We cling to that which God has already done through Jesus Christ the shedding of his blood. And we have a strength to face these issues. And now we use these forms of encouragement to encourage one another. That word build up, so we encourage, we build up, is a construction term, brick by brick. We, as a people of God, are bringing what God has given us to the picture. And we are building something magnificent. God has a design for your life that impacts the lives of everyone around you. You are not an accident. You are not one who is living a life without hope. God is your hope. God is your destiny. God has created you for a life, as it says, that we are to live with him. And all of this is a form of encouragement that we are working together to accomplish all that God has for us. You did not pick the day in which you were born. You did not pick that you were in this generation. God put you here. And this is the generation and these are the life that God has put you in, that you are a light in the darkest of dark. And perhaps today you have been buying into the lies of the enemy, saying that there is no hope, there is no way out. God can't use me. And he's saying, I am coming back. I am coming back for you. You are my child. I am interested in the details of your life. And I have a plan for your life to impact the life of all those around you. 
Talk about a form of encouragement. That is what God declares to you this morning, and that is the reason why he brought you here today. Now, let me do this. There's a lot that's just happened through this text. But I want to give three key elements of how we can live a life that encourages each other, this one another. Now, I'm taking this not out of a self-help book that we would define as. I'm taking it out of Scripture, which I guess is a self-help book. God is helping us in so many ways. But here's what I do want you to see. These three things coming right out of here. The first thing you remember, what we see is that God is showing us that image of the future. We see, number one, to live with the end in mind. God is coming back. Remember that image of this thunderstorm that's coming? It changes the way that we see our present reality and how we organize our life. God is going to set things in motion that will not be unset. It is certain, it is for sure, and he is coming back for you. Changes the way that we live our life. This is an encouragement for us. Now, you'll see on top of this, I said remind or remember. Sometimes you need to remember this for your own encouragement. But that word remind, this is how we engage those that are around us. You remind them that God is coming back. The challenges that we see that we think will never change, God will change them in time. And it could be soon. could be before we're finished today. Who knows? But that's up to the Lord. We live with the end in mind. Secondly, remember to whom you belong. God is your heavenly father. I don't care what your earthly father looked like, did do or didn't do. God is righteous and perfect and powerful and there is no equal to him. And that same God loves you so much that he is absolutely interested in every detail of your life down to the very fabric of your DNA, the likes of which no one else has the same. God is interested in that. Remember who you belong to. God is your father. God has put himself in your life. He has a plan and a purpose. This is an encouraging note for everybody who has their faith in Jesus. For you and for those that are around you. Finally, we see this, this encouragement. Stay connected with other believers. It is so easy for us as believers to back up from the calling God has because of this, this guilt and shame and remorse, perhaps. We're backing up from what God has called us to. But the people of God are just as, forgive me for saying it, as messed up as you are. We're all trying to navigate the world, but we are clinging to each other in the strengths thereof to help work this out. And God has gifted them. The greatest giftings that God has given us are oftentimes people. And so we remember this truth and we stay connected with other believers. We're watching what God is doing in their life. We're watching what he's moving around in our sphere of influence and we join him at that. And we allow others to invest in our life. Perhaps today you just needed a reminder that the things in your life that you brought in this room and said, this is just how it is. It will never change. It will always be like this. And God was here to remind you that that is not true. 
God is going to have the last word and he will deliver justice as it is needed. He also wants to remind you that you belong to him and you are sitting in a trash can of depression looking out with no hope, no future, no thought of how this is ever going to work out. But what we do know is that we belong to him. Finally, he may be calling you into a ministry. You've been sitting and and working out things in your life and you say, I want to invest in others who've gone through that or are going through. Maybe I want to give back and I want to change my perspective from that that's focused on myself that's putting me down into this dark place, but I want to look out to the Lord and see what he has in store for my destiny. These are the three things that I believe God brought you here for. So in our time of response, this is what I'm going to ask and what I believe God demands. I think, number one, God just wants you to do business with him. Whichever one of these, if you have probably brought something heavy in here that you're saying, I am so sick of this, I want to lay it down and know that God's working this out. And maybe you just need to lay it down. That doesn't impact that he's already at work in it, but it changes the way that you you look at it and you engage it. It may be that you're praying through, connecting with a ministry, and today is a day you pray through that. Finally, there's probably a category of at least someone here or online that has never put their faith in Jesus. And this coming of the Lord is one that strikes fear in your heart because you are outside of all of this. God is, he is not using you to accomplish his purpose the way that he designed you for because you, as according to scripture, are enemies to him. You have set yourself up in opposition. And today he brought you here to say, this is the encouragement. This is the hope that you have if you surrender to me, that we ask forgiveness and then we come to him and say, I'm ready to be used this encouragement that you have. So in our time together, I'm gonna ask that you stand and during this song, respond as the Lord leads you. If you need the steps, they're here. If you wanna just symbolically leave your past behind and come forward, do it. I'll be here if I can pray with you. I'd love to do that, but you don't need me. You need the Lord. From everyone at Southcliff Church, thank you for joining us today. If you would like more information about Southcliff Church, please go to southcliff.com to share a testimony of how God has encouraged you through this ministry. Send an email to scpodcast at southcliff.com. That's scpodcast at southcliff.com. Click the Give button on our webpage to discover how this ministry is supported. financial gifts help accomplish the mission God has given us.